Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have Isabel Guarino Smith with us from the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Isabel is a graduate from ASU, a former flight attendant, Walt Disney intern, and now the Residential Assisted Living Academy's leading lady as the COO. I am super excited to have her here because I love niche, niche, um, you know, real estate investments that people can make and residential assisted living is definitely one of those. So Isabel, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Uh, I told you before we got on here, we'd like to start with stories. We'd like to hear how people got to where they are today. I'm sure you got a good one. So why don't you take us back to the beginning? How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah. So actually my grandmother fell, broke her hip, and we found out she needed 24-7 care, help with activities of daily living. My dad had been a real estate investor for 40 years. And while he was looking for an option for her, he was just disgusted with everything that was out there. And he you know, wasn't like going to go be a caregiver himself. And none of us were willing to step up to the plate in that regard. So you know, we kind of stumbled into residential assisted living. And he did some quick math and was like, I'm either going to be paying five grand a month for her to live here in this home, or I could own the real estate, own the business. She can live for free and I can cash flow 10 grand a month. So he's like, let's buy this. So he bought the business, <laughs> got up and in it. And I was a flight attendant and I was had to move back home because I was making no money. And I'd always seen what he was doing in real estate and had some interest. But this really intrigued me because I'd seen him have tenants and toilets and all this drama. And all of a sudden he was super happy more cash heavy than I'd ever seen him before. And he was hanging out with old people. And I was like, what's going on? So I just started asking more questions, hanging out with him more and kind of pushed my way in the door to be like, you need to hire me. And and eventually he did. I was his first hire. And now we built eight companies. It's been, I think, seven or eight years. And um, we have like over 50 people now. And I absolutely love it. So I pushed my way in. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Um, congratulations to that growth. That is great to hear. And uh, it is, you know, my, my grandparents, not recently, she's 97 now, but, um, you know, probably about five, 10 years ago, uh, we had to get her into a home. And I just remember my parents going through the same thing that your dad went through, trying to find um, good good housing that was relatively inexpensive, really, really difficult to find good um, good assisted living out there. So I definitely see the need, especially you know my family haven't gone through it too. Um, and so I like where you guys are at. A lot of questions kind of pop into my mind um, when I think about residential assisted living as an investment. Um, as a business, it makes sense. What When I think of it as an investment, though, I, I see uh, a very specialized type of house. I know you guys do residential assisted living. So you guys, you kind of put these, you know, you can um, transform any house into an assisted li- li- living space. Yeah. Um, what does somebody do when they need, you know, when they take just a regular house and turn it into um, an assisted living facility? 
Yeah, great question. So depending on where you are in the country, you're allowed to have typically somewhere between six and 16 residents in the home. Most seniors want private bedrooms, private bathrooms. So think like 300 to 500 square feet per person. So if you have 10 residents in the home, minimum a 3000 square foot home, upwards of 5000, you're not going to find a 10 bed, 10 bath on the market. So you're either going to have to build it from the ground up, you're going to have to buy a single family and convert it to become, or you're going to have to buy an existing business, or you could work with someone who's already done the real estate and lease it from them, right? And and get involved that way. So you're going to have to create this home kind of custom for this. You don't have to be fully ADA compliant, but you do want to be as senior safe as possible. So ramps, guardrails, handrails, if it's multi-level, adding in chairlifts or elevators, all those different things to make sure that it's senior safe are really important. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um... So when you guys are, do you guys operate these businesses as well? Or do you just own the real estate? Yeah. So we own the real estate. We technically own and operate the business, but that doesn't mean we're like working in the homes. Like I do one phone call a week with my licensed administrator. And then I visit the homes maybe every other month. So we do it very, very passively where we work on the business, not in it. (laughs) (laughs) That is the way to go. Um, I'm assuming for assisted living, you need a nurse on site. Is that correct? Or am I um... not a nurse, but a licensed administrator? So they it's, it's just a different level of licensing and it's not nearly as high as a nurse. Okay. And if you had, um, if you had like three of these facilities within our houses within, I don't know, 20 mile radius, can you have one person support all of those um, houses or do you have to have somebody on site all the time? No, one administrator can oversee typically, I would say two to four homes is full time for them. So we always encourage people to have a three pack, at least three homes within 20 minutes of each other so that you can share those resources. Now your caregivers are there 24 seven with the seniors. So, you know, awake staff at night, and they're the ones doing the direct care of the residents, but the administrator, the licensed administrator in real estate world, it's kind of like a property manager. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so they're in charge of all like the day-to-day decision-making and and everything in that regard. Gotcha. So the licensed administrator, they'll do the hiring of um, any licensed staff that you yeah caregivers that you need to have on, on site. Um, and then they kind of manage the businesses and you manage the, the, the PM, the, the licensed administrator. Yeah, exactly. Um, when it comes to deciding where to buy a house for this business model, um, yep. I'm assuming finding comps, uh, you know, pulling out market data can be kind of difficult. How do you go about identifying a pocket um, in you know a, a larger metro that needs something like this? The biggest things I'm looking for is demographics. So you want the demographics of the area to be where majority. 50 to 70 year olds who are upper middle class, who are typically homeowners. That's like the number one thing. If that is not the, the, majority of the population, then I won't even look at the property because that is who we call daughter Judy. And she's who looks for mom or dad's care. She's usually who pays for mom or dad's care. She's very much involved in all of those decisions. And so it's really important that we're surrounding where exactly she is. And because she doesn't want to drive 45 minutes down the road. She wants to be five minutes, go see mom or dad real quick. So we have to be near daughter Judy. Yep. That's uh that's funny for my grandpa, um, my my parents they did the exact same thing and the house was literally um 
it was like maybe a mile away from from their home this uh, yeah. residential assisted living that they did yeah uh, so it makes a lot of sense people don't want to have to drive all over the place um, yeah. in order to to see their parents so in terms of competition the thing that comes to mind is the larger facilities um right. like you know the i don't the know the brookdale the sunrise yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. How does your model um, fit in with those larger facilities? Are you guys, do you guys not put facilities within an X mile radius of those larger facilities or how does it work? I love that question because actually if there is a brand new, we call them big boxes, right? If there's Mm -hmm. a brand new big box around the corner, I want you to put your home at their doorstep because Hmm. they did the internal feasibility study. They spent Ah. millions to determine that that's the area where there's a need is yep. so, so not one that's 20 years old, but if one is brand new, you want to be as close to them as possible because as someone, as daughter Judy's looking for that, she's going to look for that. And you're not going to have the same marketing dollars that they are right. You, you don't have a sign out front. You don't have all these ads going up everywhere, but she's looking for that. And if you could be right next to it, if you, if they, she passes your home on the way, that is something that we want because if she wants an alternative or once she moves mom or dad there and she's super unhappy with the services, she will want to come to you. That is uh, that's super smart. That's I have a, um, a rule for mobile home parks and RV parks is that they got to be within a 20 mile radius of a Walmart because if a Walmart's there, then they've done the research. You can trust that the market is pretty good. It's the McDonald's method, right? There you like, go. You got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so, I mean, your model is really uh, flexible from from my perspective. Does it work in smaller metros or do you see this only working in places like, you know, a Phoenix, a Seattle, uh, Fort Lauderdale, one of the, the bigger metros out there? We do have students in all 50 states. So this can and is happening everywhere because I always joke like, raise your hand if you're getting older or know someone who is right. Like (laughs) we're all getting older. Everyone's going to need this. And if you grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, your whole life, you don't just move to Arizona because you turned 85. Like you're probably staying there. So as long as the daughter Judy's are there in that area, you can really make it work anywhere um, in any market. And because the silver tsunami is coming right right now, the baby boomers are not in assisted living. They'll be in assisted living in the next 10, 20, 20, 30 years. So this is really forward thinking. There's, I want to say it's like 44 million in the silent generation. And that's who's currently is in assisted living, but there's 76 million baby boomers. We're about to almost double the need. And we're currently 1.3 million beds short. So talk about opportunity it's everywhere. Like if it's not there right now, it might be there in 10 years, five years, 15 years. That's why that demographics is important to find out because when we go where they are, they're making the decisions, but really opportunity is everywhere. I wouldn't put it in the middle of San Francisco, like downtown, but you know, outskirts suburbia, definitely, definitely. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. And I didn't know there were that many more uh, baby boomers than there are What's right before baby born generation silent, X? Silent like generation. Oh, oh, right after is, is Gen X. Yeah. Right after is Gen X. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. You said how many? It was 70 million, something like 76 that. 76 million baby boomers. Six million. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh that I mean, that's definitely an opportunity and and a need um for this kind of uh of property for sure. Yeah. Um 
So let's just put on the hat. Actually, I can put on my own hat because I've never done this before myself. So I'm putting on my own hat. I've never done residential assisted living. What do I need to know? Um, What are the first steps I need to take if I wanted to buy my own house and turn it into a facility and get it up and running? Obviously, I'm always going to tell people to get educated first, right? Learn everything that you need to do before you jump into this. It's not like fix and flip where it's like, I'll figure it out along the way. It's okay if I make a couple of mistakes. No, these are people's lives. This is a licensed business. You know, you're hiring staff. This is like a big deal. So get educated first, but then we're going to do that, you know, determining where you want the home, right? So location, once we've determined that we talked about earlier, I mentioned the four ways to get started buying land, leasing, buying an existing business or a single family, you're going to convert depending on which of those four you choose. They have different timelines, different price points, everything of that regard, but I don't want you to use any of your own money. So then I want you to, after you decided that, start raising the capital, whether that's through private money, syndication, you know, bank loans, SBA loans, whatever you want or need to get that money to get the ball rolling. Then whichever of the four routes you chose, we're going to get that home, either renovate it, right? Or start building it. Or if it, you're if you're leasing it, we're going to start marketing to fill the home. If you're buying an existing, we're going to start looking for potentially replacement staff or minor things we can do to update the home. Um, so all those four routes have a lot of different variables. But once the home is near ready to be open, right, we're going to be marketing heavily, doing open houses, making sure that we're having people move in, ASAP, hiring our staff, making sure all those things are ready to go, opening doors. We've got our staff there. We've got people moving in and it starts rocking and rolling and then we're cash flowing and it's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, boom, bang. Just like that. Just like that. Sounds Uh, so easy, right? (laughs) It always does. It always does. Um, I just took a peek. We are running through our time, but before we switch over to the quick question round, I want to ask one last question. Um, You mentioned, you know, the four different ways people can, can acquire this, uh, this type of asset. Um, One of them was buying an existing business. Um, Whenever you're doing that, I always like to look for efficiencies that I can make. You know, I look at their P and L figure out where they can cut costs um, or where they can save on the cost that they're spending. Yeah. Uh, when you're looking at a PL for this type of facility, what are the things uh, that you would kind of pick out that seem like an over, you know, over expenditure? Like they're going, they're spending too much here. Um, there's definitely some costs that can be saved. Okay. When we're, when you're buying one of these businesses first, this should be noted. 80% of this industry is run by immigrants from other countries and run very mom and pop style. We are kind of the new breed who's coming in and saying, we're going to run this professionally. We're bringing real estate investors instead of primarily medical professionals. Right? So we're kind of the new wave. We only represent about 20% of owners. 80% is mom and pop. So they're living in the home. They're working in the home. They're writing off their two Mercedes, their four cell phones and all of their food. So the first thing I'm looking for in the PLs is missing or added expenses, right? What's in there that's not going to be there when I'm taking this over as a professional owner, right? Because they're obviously doing whatever they can to get their taxes as low as possible. So they want to make it look like they're making zero. So there might be a lot of missing expenses or added expenses that you're like, no, that's not appropriate. So there's a lot of adjustments to be done um, on that. And the biggest thing to remember is when you're buying a business, especially from someone who's not necessarily like a professional business owner, this isn't 
what they do, you have to make a friendship with them. You have to talk to them and explain to them, like you are the market and you have to educate them, but in a kind way, when you're buying a business, it takes a minute. It might be three to six months. Like you're going to be communicating with this person quite a bit. So I always encourage people bring value, be kind, go about it in the right way and make a friend out of this person because they might be able to give you a lot of help and advice as you're getting started. Really great advice. And uh, it's funny how many people, you know, sellers that I've bought properties from, and I still talk to them to this day, you know, you think yeah. that it ends once, once you sell the property, but sometimes it doesn't, especially if they're cool. Yeah. Um, shoot. I was going to ask one last question and it just escaped my mind. Give me two seconds. <laughs> um, and we were talking about, you were talking about 80% mom and pop. Ah, I hate it when this happens. Um, shoot. Well, we'll come back to it at another, another episode. Uh, I'm going to push us into the quick question round. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. It starts with books. I'm a big bookie. So give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and one for real estate specific. Okay. um, General life wisdom. um, I'm all about the 5am club. Great book. If you've never read it. Never read it. (laughs) And then business in regards to assisted living, my dad has authored three books on this and his latest one just got released like last week. It's called the silver tsunami of seniors. So for anybody who wants to learn more about this, that's what I would advise you read. Awesome. So five, what is the 5am club about? I'm assuming it's about waking up at 5am, right? It's about waking up and mostly just like living life to the absolute fullest, like just going out in all categories of life, which I'm all about. (laughs) Great message. Great message. And uh, I'm sure we can get, we'll get this at the end too, but where can people find your dad's book? Um, RAL101.com. RAL101.com. Perfect. All right. Next question. This is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Isabel who was, uh, let's say she was a flight attendant. She was just going on her first flight. Go to her, look, in the, look her in the eye, give her one piece of advice moving forward. Mm. I, that is like, so it's such a sentimental question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would say, trust yourself. Good. That's good advice. Good advice for any age, definitely. Um, and that moves us to the next question. Is your Superman strengths? We are all gifted with strengths that we uniquely give to this world. What is your Superman strength? I think my strength... Or superwoman, I apologize. No worries. I think my strength is efficiency. I am highly efficient. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Next question. This is... Mentors, uh, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. None of us uh, are here alone. We all learn from each other. So who is one mentor? Give him a shout out that has uh, contributed the most to your career today. Oh, I'm going to say Gary Harper. Uh, He works with Sharper Business Processes, and he's been one of our business coaches for years. And I feel like he's always believed in me even more than I could believe in myself. And I've needed that love and encouragement throughout, you know, the years in business. So Gary Harper, shout out to him. (laughs) Awesome. Shout out to Gary Harper. Thank you for getting Isabel to where she is today. (laughs) All right. Next one. Um, This is second to last question. And this is the United States. It's a big place, a lot of opportunity out there to invest. So what is one metro metro you are most excited about investing in today? Ooh, um, I would say I'm really all about Florida right now. It's just Mm. so everyone wants to be there. Especially for your business, right? Yes, that too. And also (laughs) just, I think everybody wants to be there right now and it's just booming so much. You really can't go wrong. I think Florida in general. 
Yep. Yep. Many people have echoed that. Um, <laughs> I haven't bought anything out there, but it does seem, uh, seem to be blowing up. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. And that is leading us to the very last question. This one is for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice. So what is the best way for people to reach out and get in contact with you? Yeah, I would say grabbing that free book. I've got free webinars. You can have a phone call with me or my team at ral101.com. And we are on all social from YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, RAL Academy on pretty much all of the Instagram, all the socials. So follow us online. I'll make you laugh on TikTok. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. All right. So that is ral101.com. I will put that in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Isabel and learn a little bit more about residential assisted living, go ahead and click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description and in there you can find that URL. So Isabel, that wraps it up. Thanks a lot for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. If y'all have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, with realestateinvestingclub.com. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form, fill that out, and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.